Hey, welcome to episode two of the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, and joined here by my lovely co-host, Bree Tucker. Hello, hello. How y'all doing? And we have, it's y'all today. It's, it's y'all. y'all. Okay. It's, a, it's that lovely Midwest coming out of me there, you know. It's a, is that a Midwest thing or is that a Southern thing? Uh, well, it, <clears throat> so the funny thing about the Midwest is unless you're from the northern portion, you're mm-hmm. kind of southern anyways. Oh, really? So, yeah. And I, I'm actually from Missouri. Uh-huh. And so it just depends on, like, there's, like, this invisible line in the middle of the state. Once yeah. you pass it, it's just you're southern Got no matter it. what. And then... Because I really like to use y'all. And, like, my friend Tasha, she's in North Carolina. She used it all the time. And I asked her to deputize me as southern so I could use y'all. <laughs> Because I'm like y'all just sounds fun. Yeah. Oh, I, I have the I have a lovely mix too because I also have a little bit of, of uh, Baltimore in me too. Yeah. So then my T's become D's, so oh. it's it's real fun. And wonder what Arizonans have. They must have something. No, I feel like Arizonans are very even. But it's you just can't. We live here. I feel like I can't hear where they're from. Like I'm always listening for their other accent because half mm. of Arizona's transplants. They are mostly but. from Minnesota. I've noticed Minnesota. <laughs> I even say it because my husband's from Minnesota, so I'm like Minnesota, Minnesota. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I can't say it when I'm intentionally thinking about it. Yeah, a lot, of, out. a lot of Minnesota. Anyways, <laughs> we're <laughs> today's episode. We are interviewing Dr. Lisa Bravo. Uh, she's an internationally recognized relationship expert. I believe it. It was mm-hmm. it was very very eye opening. It was yes. great. We talked a lot about socialization and kids, especially during this pandemic, when they can't go to school. What are we supposed to do? What are they we supposed to do? And we learned a new catchphrase that we put on shirts. Yes. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. Embrace the, the messiness. messiness. I forgot it for a second there. I had oh. like all the pressure, and the I was first, like, Oh my gosh, what like, is it? <laughs> Real talk loud enough for the two of us. It's okay. It's embrace yeah. the messiness. And Dr. Bravo, she is also the author of a book coming out in early 2021 called The Bravo Effect: Strategies for parenting extreme teens i so, smell a book club a book club that book could club be a book, book club. in the future here for no gal mom definitely yeah so with that let's get into it you want mom life to be easier that is our goal too our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids and we're gonna have fun doing it we're gonna help you delegate and step back each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible, and making our own lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Okay, we are here with uh, Dr. Lisa Bravo, and we are so happy to have you here because we have so many concerns about kids and socialization and this new way of online learning. So I am so excited to have this conversation. Um, and let's just, you know, start it out. You're based in Phoenix, Arizona, and you help families heal from trauma and build connected relationships. So like what drew you to this field? Well, I think the seed was planted very early on. I was a very uh, cantankerous, difficult teenager, and uh, I went through a lot of adversity and didn't really have the emotional support that I needed in order to be the best version of me. So I went on a uh, quest of self-destruction for a good decade, (laughs) and um, I, through that process, I learned through a therapist that I had. Um, that I didn't have to live that way anymore. 
And so um, in doing so, I decided I wanted to do this with my life. Um, I had somebody who helped me change the way I looked at the world. And it helped me be, um, it opened a door for me that I had never really considered for myself. And so I was on a quest of my own, you know, personal healing and growth and uh, self-discovery. Then I started having children and uh, I found out that parenting is a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> I, ran, I ran daycare centers and I ran children's programs for many years before I had kids. And I thought, oh, I've got this. It's going to be easy. And, um, you know, I can, I can wrangle 25 kids. One's going to be easy. And um, I was quickly humbled. And I had a very big learning curve when it came to being the mom in the story. That experience taught me so much about what goes on behind the scenes for parents and how incredibly it is important, important it is for us as parents to take very good care of ourselves so that we can do our best work with our children. Isn't that funny how going, because I mean, I was a teacher in an elementary school for many years, and I always thought like parenting would be a breeze because you have all the kids in the classroom and they're all working together and you have these rules and expectations. And then when you get your own, you're like, none of this works anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah. Don't, don't we all have that? Like, just like, like, you know, Dr. Bravo, I started in early childhood too. And my, my expertise was zero to three. And I was like, oh, I got this. Mm -hmm. I got this. Yeah. And then you're like, oh gosh, that's why all those parents had such a hard time when I gave them like ideas on things to do because it's a lot harder when you're trying to do it yourself. Right. And then yeah. you find out when you have parents, a lot of the things that I used to tell parents to do was completely impractical and unreasonable. And it, yeah, and it had nothing to do with the parent not having the skill or trying to make it work. It had everything to do with understanding what motivates that child and what how that child works and um that was a huge discovery for me i feel right. so bad for like some of the parents that i had in my classes when i was a teacher because at that time my daughter was probably like she was just born she was a newborn and here they came to me and they're like oh my gosh what should we do about homework and i'm like well set aside a place and they'll just do it and i'm like no mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way anymore mm -hmm. and you learn yeah. so much through mm -hmm. experience and practice and now your two kids they're are they're grown mm -hmm. and so like what did they like how how have you really approach this whole experience of like your experience coming from this uh, place of where you had, like you said, a self-destructiveness early on mm -hmm. um, and then seeing them grow up, like how has your past experience really affected how you parent them and how you, what skills you teach them? Yeah, that's a great question. I think because of what I went through, it prepared me for uh, getting ready for all the crises and all the all the things I was going to have to deal with as a parent because I put my parents through a lot. I actually really, you know, as a child, I under, as I got older and then I could see myself as a child, I had some perspective and I was able to understand that my, you know, what I needed the most was connection and emotional support. And that superseded everything else. And so I, I was very, as my children grew, very um, interested in uh, 
being that provider of that emotional support and um, understanding that their well-being comes before grades, comes before school, comes before friends. Their emotional connectedness to me Mm -hmm. is the number one source that I can give them. So that has been sort of how I've raised them um, and prepared for all the trap doors that were going to happen. And the funny part is, that all the things you prepare for are never what you have to deal with. <laughs> yeah, no, so, yeah it's ironic, but it's true. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was, my kids were not rebellious. They've been very, not easy. They are very difficult, um, are very different personalities. Uh, my son tends to be very emotionally intense and has been since he was young. So I learned a lot about motivation and connection. He was not a kid who liked school. He was very active. So we always had challenges with him from that direction. My daughter was perfectionistic and very sort of rigid and um, always had to do things perfectly or she wasn't going to try them. So I had one at each end of the spectrum. And so in, in having kids like that, I was really blessed because I was able to really learn from them. You know, I kind of thought, saw my my household as as sort of the lab for uh, me developing the techniques that I've developed and I use in my practice. That that's all. That's kind of how I see my household too. And that's the benefit of having like kids with completely different personalities is you get Mm -hmm. both sides of the spectrum and like to see, oh, well, you know, everyone has that perfect first child. Sometimes, sometimes it's the first child and they're like, yes, I got parenting check. And then Mm -hmm. the second one comes along and you're like, I have no idea (laughs) what I just got into. I've been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs even on busy mornings. And oh my gosh, has it been busy lately. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day every day and it makes me feel energized even like i still add the coffee on there because i like it a lot ag1 tastes really good too and i enjoy my glass every single morning ag1 is a supplement i trust to provide the support my body needs daily and that's why i'm excited to welcome them as a new partner if you want to take ownership of your health it starts with ag1 Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. That's drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. Check it out. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, 
tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. But I love how you talk about connection and emotional support. So now that we're in this kind of weird age of like online schooling, we have a lot of parents who are concerned about their relationship with their kiddos during this and them having to be kind of both the enforcer of teaching and the parent. So what are like some strategies that you have where um, that how parents can kind of maintain their relationships with their kids during this time? Well, ironically enough, I think the number one thing that parents need to keep in mind is that it has nothing, (laughs) their child's success has very little to do with what they do in school. That's a good point. And what they do on Zoom. The success happens way before that. I think parents, you know, the silver lining with this pandemic that I've seen in my practice is that parents and family, like everyone got grounded at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's how I look mm-hmm. at it. Yeah. And yeah. so it took away all these layers of, of other pieces that, that parents were struggling with. The good news is we all had to figure out how to live together again under one roof and bake bread to get, we had to learn how to use yeah. our ovens, right? Yeah. We had to learn how to, you know, make masks from bathing suit fabric, you know, and all kinds of things we never thought we'd have to do. And in learning that, the other thing that we learned is that we know how, we know how to be families again, and we know how to be connected. And it's, and, and parenting is messy. Yes. And parents who expect it not to be messy are going to be super disappointed. So I guess the number one thing is embrace the messiness of it. Because if you can just surrender to the mess it's going to be so much easier. It's like, it's the difference between swimming against a current and swimming with a current. The other thing I think is super important that has nothing to do with your child is your own self-care. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Yeah. That is so important. So parents are so focused on the schoolwork and getting it right and making them sit in the seat and having the stuff they need and, and all the doing of it. But they, they spend less time thinking about how they want to be in the process with their child. And if they're really conscious about being in the process with their child, then the other stuff will just fall into place. Parents who are well cared for, self-care, right? Parents who are well cared for and nurtured and full have a lot more reserves to deal with all the things that happen in the day. Yeah. Something that I, I remember actually I learned from you. You taught me this that kids are like the mirror to parents. All you right? need to do is look at your kids and mm-hmm. see how they're acting. And it kind of tells you, it gives you like a pinpoint about, oh, this is how I react to that situation, or this looks familiar. I just did that last week. Right. Uh-huh. And it's I'm laughing, like because, <laughs> I'm laughing because Joanne knows this that my I have a, a 12-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son, and my 12-year-old daughter is me. She is a mini me. And so that mirror gets thrown in my face every day. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me right there. Okay. 
Yeah. Sorry about that. Is, you know, the good news about that, though, is, you know, it makes us cringe because it's so close for us. Yeah. But it really, if we can lean into it and go, okay, so here's my lesson for the day. I don't want to look like that when I'm <laughs> not getting my way anymore because that right. is not really exactly. aesthetically yeah. pleasing. So yes, I'm exactly. That's what, comes what up. I look like mm -hmm. when I don't get my way. So mm -hmm. I'm modeling this in a different way for my child. Yeah. And it also works the other way yeah. too. It shows you mm -hmm. what you're doing right. It showed me a lot what I'm doing right when my kids respond to me when I'm sad. My son would be like, are you okay, mommy? And it's because that's what I do to him when he's sad. So we could look at it in both directions. We can look at it to see our strengths and we can look at it to see maybe stuff we need to work on as well. Well, mm -hmm. and also look at the things that you're very grateful for with your kids, right? Very great. Like, yeah. man, it's really bad that you're nitpicking everything, but one day you're going to be a lawyer. I know it or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> right. And you can look at those parts. They're, they're, the parts of them that feel abrasive or difficult are usually, usually connected to our own healing or need to heal something. And if we can take that as really important information, and deal with it later on our own time. And wow, why was I so angry when he said no to me? Or, yeah. or why did I get so upset when he called me the meanest mommy in the world? Or why did I, why, why was I hurt that he wanted dad to take him instead of me? That has more to do with me and how I'm experiencing my own wounds than it has to do with my child. And so if I can be conscious about that and take that take that as important information and then understand what it means for me, then I don't have to also put that on my child later. Mm -hmm. True. So going off of that and mm -hmm. going into this social, this concern about online schooling and socialization, I mean, uh, myself included, I was very concerned when the school district decided to start schooling online because I was afraid, oh my gosh, my son is not going to interact with anyone. He's going to like go crazy from lack of friends. Could it be almost like well, first, let's hear, I want to know your opinion. Like, what should we be concerned about and what should we not be concerned about during this online schooling period with our kids mm -hmm. and screens and the lack of socialization? Well, I think primary, before that, it's also the lack of physical activity, right? So we're here in Arizona. This is like the dead of winter for, you know, most people in the country. This is what I describe our summers are like, their winters. Like we live in a cave. We don't come out until it's not, you know, 120 degrees outside. And our kids, we get really, we get really, we're stuck inside and we get cabin fever and we're tired of being all together. So I think finding ways where we can have a lot of good physical activity and movement mm -hmm. before we get online to start our school day is going to set us up for success. I had a mom that I talked to last week who's actually a teacher, and she gave me a brilliant idea, starting with physical exercise. But the next thing is they also need structure and routine. So setting up that school day like a school day, they get up, they do their exercise, they jump on the trampoline or go for a swim or ride their bike around the block before it gets too hot. Then they have breakfast. Then she actually has her kids packing their lunch for school. My kids do that. Mm -hmm. Put it in the lunchbox and then they go to the, the workspace for the day. And it creates this, this routine that's super important for kids and this structure that's important for them. And the first week they are going to push against it. 
you have to anticipate that. That does up. It means that that's a normal part of their learning a new routine and they're trying to instill a new habit. And so we have to also know that we have to be consistent with that habit even more so than they are. Um, having a dedicated bedtime and having all of those routines back into place like they had them as if it were a real school day is really going to help support that process. That's important. Yeah, because it's easy. It's easy just to be like, oh, like you only have to show up to school in your pajamas. You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't really matter when you go to bed. Like it's really easy right. to fall into that kind of mindset. Yeah. So knowing that, you know, go back to the routine, treat it like a normal school day, have them go to bed at a certain time. Like it, it makes such a difference. Packing the lunch is a great way to change the, the kind of the, the way that it transforms as well them a whole it's a different structure and then they have a lunch ready that they don't Um, need to interrupt parents who are working to like make them lunch it's right uh, it's brilliant actually yes definitely that's a good idea right there yes have kids Mm -hmm. pack a lunch the other thing i think i mean i do think we know that kids are by nature are kinetic learners and kinesthetic learners so they learn through movement I will say I am slightly concerned that so much of the curriculum that's rolling out has to do with sitting in front of the computer. I think that it's unreasonable for parents to expect that their kids, their their kindergartners, first graders, second graders, up to fifth and sixth grade are going to be able to sit in front of a computer without yeah, having no, a No, that was my big concern. Yeah. I want you to expect, expect it to be mm-hmm. messy. Expect there to be meltdowns. Then you won't be disappointed. Then you can go, okay, we got that out of the way, check. You know, it's it's very difficult to sit. So they need to have some time to wiggle around in between, you know, have a dance party. I think that's a great way to work with kids. I've been doing lots of telehealth over this time. And so I've uh, had to really kind of expand my repertoire of keeping kids engaged. And we have, you know, I put in songs and we have a dance party for five minutes and we wiggle and then we sit and try again. Um, especially kids with neurotypical development. If you, if you have kids on, um, that have any kind of special needs or attention deficit disorder, it's very difficult for them to sit and learn at the same time. I know there's some, we have a ball in, in my office that was, um, it's a ball chair and it was like the most coveted chair in my office for my kids with ADHD because they would just sit and bounce on this ball. It may drive the teacher crazy, but that child needs that kind of input in order to be able to focus. So I think allowing them to have a way to keep themselves engaged in a kinetic way is really important. Yeah, I like I like that advice because a lot of the worries stem from kids being glued to screens. And tell me if I'm wrong here, but uh, my advice typically has been like, it's really not the screens that are the issue. It's the inactivity that's an issue and it's the quality of the screen time that's an issue. When we go into this online schooling, it's actually very high quality material that's being taught on these screens. And so would you, what would you say to parents who are concerned that their kids are going to be glued to the screens? If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought provoking experts and friends at Mindful Mama. We know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. 
I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Well, I think what they're, I think the, the concern isn't about the schoolwork. It's about when they're done with school, then they're on the screens for six more hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's kind of really the truth about what happens. So typically in a day before COVID-19, kids would go to school, they'd come home, they'd have their snack, get their homework done. Then they'd be on screens until bedtime. Mm-hmm. So now parents are the minute they wake up to the minute they go to bed. The other problem is they're also modeling the same behavior Mm. because they're working from home. So the way the child sees it is, well, you're on your screen all day. You don't, you know, you're barely paying attention to me. That's how they see it. Mm -hmm. So it's super important that you have an end time, a start time and an end time for your work day too. That's a double right there. But I see that as a double to what you were saying, like, because that also includes your Mm self-care. You're not burning yourself out because at the end of the day, like you said, like if you're working all hours, answering emails at any time, text messages, whatever, you're not, you don't have anything left for your kids. So of course they get the frustrated end. So not only does that help with the, that's, wow, wow, where was this a week ago? Well, it's really a week ago. Yeah, and Brie, it's really important that you can try to see it through your child's yeah. viewpoint because in their mind, you're doing just what they're doing. So it doesn't make sense. You know, we finish a day of work and our maybe our treat is to surf the mm-hmm. web or to buy to try and, you know, get on Facebook or check our Instagram or whatever those things are that we do to decompress. Yeah. But what we're doing is we're teaching them this is what we do. When we're done working, we do more. And so we really need to think about how they're internalizing those ideas and really make a conscious decision along with uh, the verbal cue of, okay, work is over. Boom. There goes my computer. I'm putting it in my bag. And now it's our time together. What are we going to do? And then be really actively involved in some kind of activity that's physical with them, that brings joy, that builds those active memories for them. So they start to build their bandwidth around spending time means spending time together. Now that does take out the, the social aspect with peers, and we can talk about that in a minute, but I yeah. think just building on what you have yeah. available, yeah. your family, you're an important resource. Your, your kids want you more than anybody else. 
And that's the absolute truth. They do. And I think that self-care for parents really goes hand in hand in that because there are times when I will finish a whole work day and I feel like I have given myself completely to my work and to my concentrate, like all my concentration to my work. And then um, it gets off and I'm like, you know, I am brain dead and I feel like I have had no time to myself for the past week. And it just, it gets you in that angry state that, oh my gosh, like, why do I need to like think of back to activities to do? And so I think it really goes back to self-care and making sure that yes, you have work time, but you also need time to step away from your kids. And if you don't have that time to step away from your kids and really nurture yourself and nurture like what you like to do, you are not going to have that energy or feel anything like being connected in the evenings. So it's like, it goes right. in like this whole big jumble. Um, and it, it's, it's hard to. Well, and you know, if you, you could probably speak to this, Joanne, your kids are going to get your energy mm -hmm. one way or another. Oh, they definitely are. <laughs> they are. Whether that's good or bad. They're going to go for the back mm -hmm. end. Yeah. They're going to get it any way they get yeah. it. So that's the thing that I think a lot of parents don't understand is, you know, if you feed them energetically and with your time and with your emotional connection before they're hungry for mm -hmm. it, then they're fed emotionally. And then they don't, they're not picking at you. They're not grabbing at you every five minutes. Then they feel, they feel the sustenance of your connection. And that means that it's really conscious. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you're returning emails and on the phone and every five minutes you're interrupted with something else. It means you're concentrated. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be for hours at a time yeah. either. If you get in the habit of just really giving to them, nobody else is in the room but them. And imagine it's like the last 10 minutes you're ever going to talk to them. You know, how would you spend that time? Like really make it intense. So you're in, you're with them. Then later, they, they don't feel the need to, to compete with your phone and to compete with your computer and to compete with the remote control. Mm -hmm. Because they have their time. They know when it's their time and they know when it's the time that you have to focus and concentrate on work. Well, and they feel seen and they feel, seen. And they feel connected mm -hmm. and um, they're, they aren't going to look for that connection in other ways. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's hard when you're in the habit of going directly to your phone after work to then immediately switch to that, you know, I'm going to stay connected with my kids. And it's almost like, I mean, I've gone through this and it's almost like a, a boredom thing at first. And it sounds so bad that it's like, oh my gosh, I, I don't have this time to spend with my kids. Really, I do. I'm just not used to fully being present and with them. And so it's like a lead up process that needs to happen in that. But it's great advice. Give them that. Uh, well, and you know, Joanne, I want to just piggyback onto that because I think what a lot of parents will say to me is, well, I'm tired and sometimes I'm too tired to spend time with them. And what I will say to them is, that's true. But what happens? Do they know exactly how to get you off the couch? Do they know exactly the right words or the right sibling to yeah. knock oh, down? Oh, they do. The dog <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do they know exactly the right things to get you energized in a way that you you didn't know you had in you? <laughs> and then when you're angry, how much energy does that take? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. We, we get really 
fixated on our anger and we, we we're really good at lecturing and getting involved in those moments. And we don't even think about that as an expenditure of our energy, no, we don't. but truly it is. So if we consciously decide to spend it on the front end, it's such a better day when you're reviewing your day and you have to go to sleep at night. You don't have as many regrets. That, yeah. that is a great True. point. Uh, going back to kind of kids socialization in online schooling and then really not having that connection they used to with their friends. Like what is one way that parents can feed their kids socialization needs? Here's the thing that I want, I want parents, cause I think parents feel really worried about this time and they feel really frustrated and they feel like their kids are going to miss a lot of social development. And I understand that concern because it is different over screens. Um, it's different when you don't have that face-to-face -face interaction. And I, so I do think that parents are going to have to be really creative in using their family system for that. I also uh, know of families that, are, that have aligned with other families that are also social distancing and haven't left their homes and they've, they've created like friendship pods. So that's something to think about too, where you know this group of, you know, these parents have not left their house, their kids haven't left the house and you know they're, they've been quarantining, you know, that's an option for some parents. Um, another um, something to think about is, you know, all children that we're talking about right now have grown up with screens, mm -hmm. right? Know. So it's sure. not like some, I don't know, there's a few of us left. I'm really old, so I remember life without screens. Maybe you guys don't, I but do. most, <laughs> most, kids, most kids have have grown up. It's part of their norm. So I my, my experience has been that a lot of times parents are more concerned about it than kids the are. kids are. Um, teen, when I had to, I had to shift from an in-office um, setting to telehealth overnight, and I work primarily with tweens and teens. I thought, oh, how is this going to work? You know, I really like that the interaction that we have and kind of what happens when you're in a live setting with a teenager. And I didn't know how this was going to work, this setting. But what I found is they're so comfortable in this in this setting, I'm actually getting a lot further in counseling oh. with some kids and they're being a lot more honest and a lot more direct because they feel more comfortable in this setting. This is how they communicate every day with their friends. This is how they communicate on their video games and with other kids. And this is their language. So actually our assumption that they're somehow missing out is maybe not accurate. That's a very interesting way to look at it because I could say like, I've seen that too, even with my son watching his second grade zoom calls at first, he was very hesitant to speak up, but now he's like, Hey, how are you? And my daughter, every, every lunchtime she's on Facebook messenger kids with like two of her friends and they're chatting downstairs. And so that's a great way to look at it, that they're, they're much more comfortable on it than we give them credit for. No, I will say I will say the younger ones, though. You know, your your you know toddlers and um, early learners that are learning language and learning social cues. I think we're going to start to see what what that might look like. I think it is going to impact their development. I'm not quite sure how because we haven't had enough time to understand that. But that's why I think it's super important for toddlers especially or, or um, preschoolers 
to be able, in some ways, I think it's good for them to be able to see facial expressions in, in this way versus having a mask on. Yeah. Right. Because you can't read social cues. You can't read the, the nonverbal communication in the same way. So I do think that there, that's going to be an interesting part of this. Um, I, I made the decision to close my office because I didn't want to be like this all day with, with kids. I want them to be able to see my facial expressions. And I, I felt like this was a better way to manage that. I think it's been, I've been, I've been pleasantly surprised at how kids just adapt. As long as we adapt as the parents, it, when mama's okay, everyone's okay. And that is the absolute truth. So as long as we learn how to adapt and, and, and understand that it's okay, our kids, our kids are resilient and they are like water. They will do whatever the, you know, whatever our cues are is what they, is what they bounce off of. But really, they're, they're so much more adaptable than we are. Yeah, it's like we say it, no guilt, mom. The best mom is a happy <laughs> mom. So take care of you. So I've loved these insights that you've had into kids and socialization and everything that we can do as parents to support them. And you have a book coming out, which I'm super excited about. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? The book is called The Bravo Effect, Strategies for Parenting Extreme Teens. And um, it really kind of was born out of a lot of the things that I've developed in my private practice and working with families. You know, I focus on extreme behavior because that's typically what brings people into my doors. Uh, so a lot of the, um, the challenges that parents have with uh, teenagers and tweens um, come from that family system and that relationship. So um, I provide a scaffolding using the acronym of my last name, which is behavior, relationships, attitudes, values, and opportunities. And using those five domains, parents can begin to evaluate where they are at with their, with their child. But at the core of all of that, again, is connection and emotional support. Kids who feel emotionally connected and supported make much different decisions in their lives than kids who do not. Definitely. That's so a lot of the book talk is about how to connect and how to make that a sustainable relationship, even when there's been trauma, even when there's things they have to heal from um, in spite of it or because of it. That's a, that's a great takeaway for parents. Just remember connection and emotional support. And I feel like the rest will, will be okay. It'll be okay. Well, thank you so, so much for joining us and asking, answering our questions. Like it's been such a pleasure and we've loved having you. Thank you for asking me. This was a fun topic. Yeah. And we'll talk to you soon. Wow. That was a really, I feel like it was a really insightful interview. I, I feel the same way. It was a lot of permission to just do your best, be your best and not worry about screwing up your kid. Yes. Like you're enough. <laughs> You're doing enough. Embrace the messiness, right. like we said at the beginning. And I liked her. She had some really great tangible advice in there. I, I liked the whole uh, finding like your family pod. Mm -hmm. That's something that uh, my family has, has utilized a little bit for the kids. And I noticed that it really did help their spirits when we were able to start doing that. It helps. Mm -hmm. It helps a lot. Like our kids are all together downstairs right now while we record this podcast. And they're, yep. they're working. And it's honestly 
easier having your kids here and working with them than it was just them by themselves. And it's funny when you say working with them because they're not like they're, they're not, not like working. They're, they're not literally just other. by each other. Yeah, just, just having that other person right there really helps their emotional well being and their feeling of I I feel like a little bit of their normalcy for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah. like it, you help my emotional well being because you just started here and I've been working by myself for six years and like as soon as you started, I like. Oh, I became super productive, girl. I, I know. Like I was sitting around, like, wow, she's getting a lot done. I'm like, but I'm you, usually not that way. <laughs> but I, I had to work remotely a lot in my previous job because it it was during the pandemic. As soon as everything opened up, and or as soon as everything went down, I guess however you want to say it. Um, and uh, yeah, same thing. Like when I I would notice that the weeks that I was working from home with nobody around, whew, got it's a little hard. got a little squirrely. It's hard to stay focused. I mm-hmm. find that my best companions are the Real Housewives on Bravo. Oh. <laughs> And like million dollar listing. I, I was like really caught up on the Real Housewives. I'd have it on while I was working. <laughs> mm, I did a lot of like listening to NPR and my audiobooks. I yeah. Did, that's what I found worked. I can't concentrate when I listen to like an audiobook or a podcast or something when I'm working. Well, I don't ask do me it. to tell you everything that was said, but <laughs> I can get the gist of it. I yeah. like there were times where I had to like pause it and then listen to something else because I wanted to come back and totally focus. But it just depended upon the task I was doing. So. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting how that works because my husband listens to podcasts while he works. And I'm like, how do you do that? Like, I can't. Your work is very creative. And I can see how the more that, that that's very hard. Like, if I'm trying to figure out what to say and I'm listening to somebody else say something, yeah. I'm going to start typing what they're saying. It's like keeping two voices in your head at the same time, I guess. Right. That's and like, and the work I was doing the other job, I wasn't, I, it wasn't creative work. So it was much more of just spreadsheets. Oh, work through that, so. like all that. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway. So I, I love, yes. Tangent. She, ta- yeah. Tangible uh, solutions, suggestions. Yes. Support. Yeah. Like, I want to have her be my therapist. She, like, yeah. it just, it was very warm and fighting. Mm-hmm. And it was so inspirational to hearing where she started from. Yes. And what inspired her. Yeah. To become what she has become in life. So. I agree. She's a great person and hopefully a frequent guest of the podcast because I already want her back and I want to bring her and I want to ask all the questions. And if you have questions right now for Dr. Bravo, just email us at hello at noguiltmom.com and tell us and tell us who else you want to see on the podcast. And we will work our darndest to try to convince them to come on. Yes. Yes. We, we love, we love, love, love that feedback. Yes. So if you haven't already, you can see the show notes at noguiltmom.com slash episode 002. And you can also grab our No Guilt Mom mindset, which is all those things we talked about in episode one, but it's pretty and you could hang it somewhere. You see it all the time. So when you need that extra moment of like, am I doing this right? What am I supposed to do? You could be like, look at it and be like, I am allowed to be thinking this. I am allowed to be working this way. And this is my growth mindset is my mom mindset. Yes, exactly. So go grab those. And until next time, the best mom's a happy mom. So take care of you and we'll see you later. Thanks for stopping by. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. 
I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 